So I'm speaking with composer Christopher Willis, who has made quite an impact with his score for uh, The Death of Stalin. Chris got to start working with composers like Rupert Gregson-Williams, Perry Gregson-Williams, and Henry Jackman. Uh, some of his notable TV work includes scoring such a great series as A Veep, uh, The Lion Guard, and Mickey Mouse for Disney. Uh, and he has now found himself on the shortlist for the Oscars. Chris, thanks so much for us uh, for speaking today. Oh, thanks for having me, Karen. So I'd love to start kind of just going to get a sense of your your background and kind of what point in your life did music find you or did, or you found music, however you see it. And um, do you remember that, that kind of pivotal moment where you're like, okay, this is my career now? Oh, um, yeah, well, I, uh, uh, I loved music from a, from a, a very young age. Uh, I didn't take any, any lessons like as a tiny kid. Um, uh, but I was, I, I, I have very like early memories of, of tinkering around on keyboards and on the piano and being very interested. Um, I started learning the, learning the piano when I was, when I was eight and joined the church choir, uh, <laughs> shortly after that. Um, that seems to I, be a path that a lot of English boys go through. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? A lot of, uh, a lot of composers on the in the Hollywood scene have that same that same thing uh, going on. Um, uh, yeah, and I I very much had that sort. Of, I had a, a very kind of classical music uh, teenage years. You know, where you where everyone splits off into musical cliques, and then there's kind of the the, the classical kids who've just decided to to do that. So. Uh, um, uh, and I was really, I was, I was uh, thinking that I was going to be a pianist for for many years. I I loved, I loved music and I loved uh, 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 writing music. But um, uh, you know, the sort of thing in 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 Britain in the nineties, if you were, if you were, if you were interested in composing, I've, I I felt very sort of railroaded into into modern music that was happening in the classical scene at that time. And I had, I was very confused about that. So, so my attempts at composition sort of petered out as my teens went by and, and I felt, um, yeah, like, like my composition teachers were less and less interested in actually teaching me the, the rudiments and more interested in, in, in modernism. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, there was, I was, I was sort of a, basically a pianist, a, a, a classical pianist, um for a few years and i i um i went to the royal academy of music and studied the piano there and uh yeah it was 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 after that and i was i was just at the beginning of of, of a career as a concert pianist and i was incredibly restless um and not sure if if this was you know if if this was really what i uh what i wanted to be doing right uh, uh yeah and, and 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 even after that i didn't immediately get straightforwardly into composition i then i then went well i had been at cambridge as an undergrad i've i've said this in uh, backwards in the wrong order so i (laughs) I went to cambridge for the music undergrad which is which is a very uh very old school undergrad rather like studying english literature for undergrad so you 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 aren't really committing at that point to saying that you're a composer or an instrumentalist or whatever Uh, and then i went to the royal academy for the piano and then i uh sort of sort of used Cambridge like I think people have for hundreds of years where you're like you have a sort of quarter-life crisis and <laughs> kind of like an old medieval monastery they say come come back it's fine <laughs> you can defer making decisions about life for a few more years so I went back to Cambridge and became a musicologist for a few years oh wow 
uh, and I, 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 I credit that period with, with doing a lot uh, for me because I was, I, was, I was analyzing music all the time, working with an amazing uh, musicologist called Dean Sutcliffe. And uh, I was also teaching the whole time. I was teaching uh, uh, undergrads. Uh, I was in, only in my early 20s at that point, and they were sort of 18, 19, 20. So I was just two steps ahead of them all the time, trying to teach them fugue and counterpoint, internal composition, and um, going round and round over that sort of really cemented my, my love of, uh, of, of, of writing music. But also just just my knowledge of that, you know, it's it's such a cliche, but it's it's uh, you really expose all of the all of the holes in your own knowledge. <laughs> if you have you have bright young people endlessly asking you about it. Right. <laughs> at, every, at every turn, you realize that you you don't really know anything. You can't <laughs> answer any of their questions, um, or, or or you're, you're marking marking their work and 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 having an aversion to some maneuver that they've done and I have I've I've been learning music all my life and I have no explanation as to why I don't like what they've done you know there's no parallels in it there's 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 nothing that I can point easily to so that was a that was an amazing process um uh over those years yeah and uh so uh, when uh when did it become kind of geared towards uh the film and tv world when did you meet Rupert how did that kind of start and did that kind of take you on that path I think looking back that I've sort of been lurking in my mind since forever but I um uh I it was it was while it was during those years that, that I was back in Cambridge that I, I um I just sort of dawned on me eventually I, I, I've been just as obsessed with movies my entire life as I had been with music mm. I just never really put the two together I, I wasn't really one of those people who grew up listening to and thinking about or I should say listening consciously to film music um I, I but I loved movies and so I knew lots of film music in that weird passive way that most people who love movies right movie music um so uh yeah I I um uh I had this sense I suppose to go back to to my angst about about concert music I had this sense that it would just be so amazing to be somewhere where there were huge numbers of people writing music where you really had to do it every day mm. had to actually work for people you know people had to listen to it and say yes that <laughs> moves me <laughs> and i just sort of became completely besotted in the end with this idea that maybe i would maybe i would come out to to california and join this this uh this community you know for me this is this is sort of stupid and dorky to to admit but you know i think in my brain it was sort of it was very analogous to the big, the big com uh, com uh, cities of music composition in the past, you know, because mm. I, was, I was doing musicology, so I was thinking about this, you know, you know, Vienna in the late 18th century. That what you, what you needed is 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 thousands of people all trying to do the same thing at the same time, and then you finally get get some decent music. So I I I, uh, I had all sorts of reasons for getting really excited about it, and uh, yeah, I um. I sent a demo to to Rupert. Rupert Gregson Williams was was the first person who uh, who gave me a job. Um, I was incredibly lucky. He, he he was he he was arguably quite rash because on uh, on paper I, I lacked a lot of the qualifications that one one should really have. Uh, looking back, I mean, I, I I if if myself then had asked me now for <laughs> advice, I would have I would have advised him to to. To get a bit more experience before <laughs> moving out here, but um, 
uh, yeah, I joined Rupert's studio and, and he was, he was an incredible teacher, incredible mentor. Um, he was working out of remote control, uh, productions, um, Hans Zimmer's place. Right, right. I was suddenly thrust into, you know, musically I had this, I, I was quite well, well equipped, but, uh, I just had to be very humble and accept that I was a complete beginner at everything else. I mean, I was learning about synths and learning about computers, learning about uh, how modern film music is, is synced up and learning about films and the way that one talks about films. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely sort of... Um, I mean, it was probably like more of like a, a, a shock just to learn the business and the, the kind of the, that kind of side of everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I remember being surprised. <laughs> this is so funny. I remember being surprised that one even got notes. You know, being being at the back of a room with 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 Rupert having a meeting, I was taking notes or something, and just <laughs> astonished at the basic dynamic. You know, that the 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 filmmaker is in charge. The filmmaker has hired the composer. Uh, if the filmmaker doesn't like something because it doesn't seem to be serving the scene, then they just say so, and the composer ninety nine times out of a hundred agrees um right. unless they unless they strongly think that it's that that, 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 they're, that they're wrong the, the composer agrees to attempt at least to try to do what the filmmaker says i i had no idea that uh, i thought you know the composer just sort of uh um waved their their locks of hair <laughs> at the top of a stone tower and uh, scribbled away <laughs> so yeah as you say yeah to, to just to to learn that it is um that 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 it is a business. It is that things move fast. Um, it's, it's, a, it's it's the real world. It's not some sort of romantic fantasy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's. I want to jump into some of your projects. Um, you got to score uh, Veep, which is you know this amazing Emmy-winning uh, series comedy on HBO, starring the amazing uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and you and you co-scored it with Rupert. And I'm I'm just interested in because it's it's a 30-minute comedy. You know, it's not heavily reliant on music. So what role does music play and what were you able to do with kind of the limited canvas that you have there? Um, well, for me, the, um, one of the key things was was knowing uh, uh, The Thick of It, which is a, a, a sitcom uh, uh, in Britain, which is which is not part of the same world exactly as Veep, but is as is, is, is the creation of Armando Iannucci who later created Veep and is also concerned with politics and has some of the same sort of ideological concerns, if you like, you know, the, the same th thematic things right. that it's interested in. Um, the, uh, the thick of it has no music at all. Um, the, 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 the show starts with, with, with action. Um, it's in that very uh, handheld style that, that, that we've come to know from things like The Office. Um, uh, it starts with footage, a, a title card comes up with no music. I think often we, we still hear people talking in the scene they were in with, with the title card, and then we're back to, to action. Um, and I was aware that that, 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 was, that, that that was kind of the way that Armando was thinking. Now, Westminster and, and, and Washington, Westminster being where, you know, where the, 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 the hub of politics in London, are very different. You know, in Westminster, everyone's on foot and it's always raining and it's, uh, you know, the... <laughs> Paparazzi follow you everywhere and catch you, kind of dropping your suitcase, <laughs> dropping your briefcase or whatever. And the politicians in Britain always just seem to look utterly wretched. <laughs> um, 
um, and pathetic. Uh, we have pathetic, wretched ones here too. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> in 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 Washington and in Veep, I immediately had the impression that 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 there was a certain pomposity that Armando was trying to capture with the way that everywhere she goes, even if she needs a bagel. The, the Veep has to go off in a motorcade with, um, <laughs> with a huge guard. And um, and just that lent itself to a little bit of music. But I, I could sort of tell that there was a, some caution there, you know, that that, that that he didn't want the the music to help the comedy. The comedy is is, is fast-paced, you know, the dialogue is very fast-paced. Um, so so I had this sense that we that, that, that we just do the bare minimum. Um, but yeah, we did. We we immediately had some interesting conversations about the music. Um, Armando is a, is is a is a, a real expert on classical music. You can you can have a, um, a very wide ranging conversation about classical music with with him. In fact, usually when I talk to him, I end up learning something and coming away with some composer or other to listen to that I, that I hadn't heard. That's of. amazing. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it just a, such a gift yeah. uh, to be working with someone like that? Um, uh, so in my head, I've sort of always had this idea that, that what we were doing, you'd have to ask Rupert if he agrees, <laughs> sort of an imaginary composer that I'm not sure ever quite existed somewhere in the middle of the 20th century, you know, post Copeland, because Copeland often had those, Veep is very, has all those sort of motoric rhythms. Yeah. You, you get that in Copeland, but then you get it. You get it again later with with minimalism, with Steve Reich and with John Adams, especially. Um, I, I say especially. John Adams sounds especially kind of Americana. So there's a sort of there's a sort of link between Copeland and Adams, I, I think. So I'm I'm sort of imagining a, a frightfully patriotic, imaginary composer, sort of halfway between the two, who's who's scoring this show as though it were a documentary and is is very unquestioning. Um, that's amazing. It, yeah, that's kind of that's sort of what had, what goes on in, in my head. I mean, the, the funny thing then in Veep is that, of course, the stakes got higher and higher. Right. You know, she starts, and the and the uh, at the start of the show, the joke is that is is that she doesn't seem to really do anything, but of course, you know, the you know these plots of of shows being what they are, without giving too much away to people who are just starting the show, things get more and more. Um, high stakes as the show goes on so strangely we found ourselves talking more about bigger pieces of music and um you know if you've got headlines flashing on uh, on the screen about some huge world event happening that's been triggered by some stupid thing that that um one of our characters has done then the music has to actually be quite quite big right. in order to 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 deal with that well, I mean, working on that show, you built up a relationship with Armando, and um, and now, of course, he directed uh, the the death of Stalin. So, talk about um, when he kind of called upon you for that, and what were those initial conversations about for the film, and what did you want to do musically? What was the what did the mu the film need from you from the music? Well, again, we were able to have these conversations, um, uh, uh, you know, using using classical music as as reference points. Um, uh, he, uh, uh, we met up and he, he actually pitched, sort of pitched for me the start of the film, um, where the concert is happening and the, you know, the Mozart concerto has to be, has to be played a second time, um, uh, because Stalin wants a recording and there isn't one. Uh, and we, we learn, we learn that, um, we learn quite, quite sort of subtly that, that, that if they don't, trap the audience in this concert hall and play the whole piece again that everyone in the whole place could end up getting killed for no 
no good reason. And that's kind of how we're introduced to the the Stalinist um, uh, uh, purges. Um, well, Armando had this phrase. Um, why? Let's just imagine that we that we resurrected the Soviet Union's finest composer. <laughs> <laughs> It seems you're always embodying this other imaginary composer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there were, there were, uh, the, you know, the famous composer uh, for us now um, is Shostakovich. We, I mean, we also listened to Prokofiev a lot because Prokofiev didn't spend all of his time in, in the Soviet Union. Um, what I discovered as I looked the music of that time is that there were lots of composers um, who were all doing vaguely similar things. Uh, Shostakovich was one of them, but there are, there are many others. Um, so, uh, uh, and and we discovered that 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 you could line up their music with the film, and you get this interesting effect because it's it is it's rather over the top, and it doesn't sound exactly like modern film music. It sounds very very dissonant and 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 strident, um, but it creates a very interesting effect. Um, it sort of reminded me of of. The effect that you get in in uh, in other comedies, um, uh, in Ghostbusters, the, the music is very kind of full on. Right. But even also in, in in Young Frankenstein or in yeah. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where the music <laughs> is just very uh, very rambunctious. Yeah, yeah. Not really playing comedy, not really playing lightness effort, but just but 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 playing things, uh, taking it to eleven all the time in terms of orchestral kind of heroics um the so i i started to, to do a lot of homework and to think about this 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 trick that we could pull off where where the whole thing would be a sort of method acting you know it all sort of sound like it was it was like it was from the 1950s um uh there then end up being a lot of other other worries like um you know how um uh how how much should it uh, should it sound like it was all taken from one piece? You know, should it sound right. like it's the same? So really trying to trying to make it sound like it was all this like sort of imaginary symphony. Um, and I should say, um, I think at a very early stage, Armando had even wondered about using Soviet music and not having a composer or just having me doing a few bits. Mm. We discovered early on that how how difficult that is. Um, uh, it's it's incredibly. It, it's incredibly challenging to 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 get this music, which has its own trajectories and its own up and down, ups yeah. and downs, to, to do the things that you want. Actually, I was watching the film just recently and and noticing, um, uh, it, it's it's been wonderful hearing from people that um, that they have have in some cases really thought that they were listening to to Soviet music. Um, I was uh, talking to Bruce Broughton, who's uh, uh, a friend, friend of uh, of my wife and I, and uh, uh, and he 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 was was very impressed and, and had thought that he was listening to, to to Soviet music. I think if you if you watch the film lots of times, or if you watched one scene lots of times, you would you would start to see, oh, you know, it actually it is doing what film music does. You know, the the the, the climax goes right here, and then the dialogue happens, and then as soon as the dialogue starts, you know, the trumpets come back in again. But but the first, I think the first time you see it you know you especially if you don't know it does you know that the impression is of thinking oh what is this i don't know this uh, this sounds like sounds like some soviet thing that i don't know um anyway i'm sorry to, to go back to what i was saying 
yeah, the, 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 the worry about how much should it use the same music over and over or the same theme. Um, and this, I, I, this actually was a major worry as I was working on it. Uh, should it, and there's not an enormous amount of music in the film. So we're going to have, we have music and then we're going to be very concerned with dialogue and then we'll come back to music. So my feeling was, was we can actually have one or two themes that we hear a lot, as long as, as long as they have a slightly symphonic feel and, you know, they, they get, they get reworked. But then when you record all of that music in one go, it's slightly alarming because you're hearing that theme so much. <laughs> I have to sort of try and imagine, you know, spacing it all out again over, over an hour, 40 minutes. Um, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of angsting about um, about the specifics. Well, I think it all turned out, I mean, amazingly, and, and it's, it's just a perfect fit to, to what Armando's uh, vision is. And um, and I, I'm curious, it was. I mean, you talked about finding that you know, going kind of over the top and and not playing to the comedy. But I guess was finding the tone tricky. I mean. I always look at comedies like like that, and where you see the the music is playing it serious. It's playing it kind of the seriousness in the character's head. Whether you look back to spoofs like Airplane and Naked Gun, where it's like it's never right. being playing the comedy. Was that just was that as simple as that, or was it tricky to find the tone? Um, different different bits presented different challenges. Um, there was uh, there was one actually the first. Of these uh, slow mo intros, um, for, for anyone who hasn't seen the film, we're introduced to the main characters with these uh, these slow motion uh, sequences uh, that I don't know quite what they're doing. It's the sort of thing you might see in a in a, in a Guy Ritchie gangster film. Only <laughs> only these are Russian politicians, um, and the music each time the music swells up the characters go in slow motion and, and title, you know, titles come up on the screen to tell us who's who. Uh, and the first one where we see Khrushchev and Beria, who's going to end up being his main antagonist. And they're doing this weird belly dance for Stalin uh, at this, at this drunken party. They're like bumping tummies with each other. <laughs> and yet, of course we know we vaguely heard of Khrushchev no matter how little Russian history we know. And we know you know, dark stuff is likely to come, and so, uh, and so there was there was some worry about that um, about that cue. You know, should it be huge? Right. Should it be very very quiet and morose? Um, and uh, that was one of the first cues where where that the, the, they they hadn't found any temp that was working, and so I I wrote a cue, and my cue ended up in the film quite early on. Um, uh, uh, yeah, the solution in the end was was to be very somber, but um, but almost like it was the introduction to a symphony. So it's, in a way, it's not saying anything in particular. It's just very somber and 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 um, like a like a uh, uh, like an introduction, uh, right. uh, introductory stanza. Um, I'm trying to think of places where. Uh, did it go too far? Did it tip over? There were places where I tried music and it just, um, it was better to take it out. Right. The, the places where I thought that it would be, it would be, it would be interesting to, to, uh, to play the, the excitement. And actually, even though the scene is, is, is edgy, 
uh, and exciting because it's also supposed to be funny. It it actually sometimes works works better to leave it um, leave it empty. There's a there's a strange scene where the NV, NV, uh, NKVD are um, about to pounce on this old man. Um, we see the old man walking towards us in the van, ominously driving up, and then the, they, the guards all get out, and he starts running, and they and they and they run towards him. Uh, and I have a very ominous piece that plays as the van plays. And initially, I was going to play the whole scene of them attacking him, and, and thinking that we 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 just gradually realise the truth, which is actually they 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 he's a retired doctor, mm. and they. They've they've killed all the good doctors uh, uh, he, uh, or all the non-retired doctors, um, uh, but in the end we took the music out just as they start running towards him. So 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 you sort of set set the scene up dramatically, but then uh, as soon as there's an opportunity to laugh at the way that he's running and the way that they're running after him, you just you just delicately bow out musically and let the let the scene play on its own yeah it seems to be kind of the the, the way to kind of ha- tr- walk that line with comedy and just make sure music isn't stepping on the comedy <laughs> uh, it's another way that that, that that trying to pretend it was all this one big symphony and trying to use certain themes quite a lot helps actually because you you in a way you don't notice that there isn't that much music because when the music's there it's quite big and it's and it's it's um it's becoming it's becoming an earworm, yeah. and then it doesn't matter so much if it's kind of if it's actually if they're great swathes of the film that don't have any music, you still have the vague memory that there was you know, there was this big symphonic score. Right, right. Um, so I mean, yeah, Death of Stalin, fantastic film, fantastic score. Uh, congratulations oh. to you and Armando. I think it's and seeing you and him grow together um, because you're I think you're working on the, on his next film too, the personal history of David Copperfield. Is that happening? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what can yeah, we look forward to in that one? <laughs> well, I'm right in the thick of it right now. So, uh, as it were, um, so uh, it's actually kind of hard to to talk about because my brain is, t- is still too- in the mix of it. Yeah. Um, uh, we have been doing some of the same process of 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 listening to lots of things and sending things back and forth. Uh, uh, yeah, the film. Um, the film, of course, is is rooted in the nineteenth century, but the feel of it is uh, is is very is very contemporary. Uh, I mean, uh, one of the things we've been talking about is that Dickens feels so vivid and immediate, and doesn't feel like a fusty piece of history when you when when you when you go back and uh, and read it. Um, so, so the score is not right now sounding sort of mid 19th century or anything like that um uh we've been we've been listening to to a lot more recent stuff um but you know what's what's always interesting working with with armando is he just doesn't have the typical hollywood instincts so he's very interested in 20th century 21st century concert music so we've been listening to all kinds of things that you don't associate with movies um um uh uh and it's it's crazy that I'm almost coming full circle back to what I was talking about earlier, and the the environment um, uh, in which I was learning composition in England, of course, in the in the nineties. You know, uh, uh, I'm almost back at sort of modern <laughs> <laughs> modern British music, although yeah. I'm kind of 
coming at it in a different way that I'm much more comfortable with now. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Um, Chris, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time today and for sharing a bit of your insight and congrats on, on everything. I think uh, you're such a unique voice in the industry and it's been so such a pleasure for me to listen to you and, and uh, hear your work and congrats on the death of Stalin and best of luck this award season. Oh, cheers, you're very kind. Uh, yeah, it's been great, great talking to you.